0: Welcome to Truest Blood, the official True Blood podcast. I'm Kristen Bauer, and I'm Deborah Ann Wool,
1: and you've been invited in. I want to do bad things. <laughs> Welcome back to Truest Blood, where we sink our fangs into the series episode by
0: episode. This week we will delve into I Will Rise Up. It's written by Nancy Oliver and directed by Scott Winant. Two geniuses. Yes. And, you know,
1: relationships get really complicated in this episode of 209. Yay. Some bonds <laughs> are healed, some are broken. And others are just lost forever. So we're going to look at many examples, a few examples, and then we're just going to let you in on what it truly takes to be a
0: background performer on a show like True Blood that relies on background performers. Yes. And then we are thrilled to share with you all our conversation with Alan Hyde his portrayal of Godric is is riveting and it is even more impressive when you find out how old he was at the time yeah so most of his work you might not be familiar with because it's centered in Denmark but we were lucky enough to be graced with his prolific talent for a short but very memorable run I know I cry every time every time Mm -hmm. it reaches a very tearful climax this week
1: on true blood
0: Luke's vampire-killing vest explodes, decimating Godric's home. While Bill goes after the other soldiers of the sun trying to escape, Eric selflessly shields Sookie from the blast. Riddled with silver, he asks her to suck it out so he can heal himself. Eric, I can't. It's too gross, and it's... You. But feeling she has no alternative, she does as asked until Eric reveals it was all a ruse to form the blood bond with her he so richly desires. Furious, she and Bill vow their undying hate for him, despite the erotic dreams of Eric that now haunt Sookie's V-laced mind.
1: In bon Tom, Tara and eggs are all beat up and don't know why. Marianne thinks it's a small price to pay for bliss and shrugs it off. But luckily, Lafayette does not. He and Letty Mae show up at Sookie's house and manage to drag an enchanted Tara, kicking and screaming, away from the ominous hold of Marianne.
2: I don't know what you is, but I'm feeling you, and you're a
1: soulless bitch. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hoyt has a hard talk with his mama and sets an ultimatum: Maxine better get on board with Jessica or lose him forever. They try dinner at Merlot's, but things go south fast. And Hoyt and Jess storm out, leaving Maxine easy prey to Marianne's bewitching power.
0: Speaking of Marianne, with all her party animals locked up in jail, along with her prize, Sam Merlot, she makes a visit to the sheriff's office. She releases the others only to discover that Sam has shifted his way out of his cell. Furious, she sets her minions on the trail. The god who comes demands his sacrifice.
2: Where is Sam Merlott?
0: But Sam is holed up with Andy, safe for now. Back in Dallas, Nan Flanagan, American Vampire League Spokesperson of the Year, is laying down the hurt on Godric and the others. She will have to clean up their mess, and someone will have to pay. To Eric's dismay,
1: Godric volunteers. In despair over the violence and hate that vampires and humans feel for each other, Godric chooses to meet the son and pay for his wrongdoing. Distraught, Eric pleads with him, to no avail.
2: Father. Brother. Son. (laughs)
1: Let me go. Sookie, feeling a debt of gratitude to Godric and perhaps a tad touched by Eric's vulnerability, offers to stay with him as dawn breaks. She and Godric speak of life and death and God until the sun rises. And after 2000 years, takes Godric from this world.
0: This is an interesting episode. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's not really a joke a minute. You know, it's a little bit more somber. We're spending some more time. I feel like with people and learning more about these characters. You know, we said in the intro, relationships here seem to be to be shifting. So my highlights for this episode really had to do with family relationships. Yeah. And the first one I want to talk about, I think, is Suki and Jason because I love this scene between the I two of this them. I love the scene. They're both so good. It's a side of them that we we don't always get to see because you know, right. especially for Sookie, it's really hard to be the lead of a show, especially like yes. this one because you are constantly moving plot forward and and you right. don't get as many opportunities to just have a two person relationship kind of chat. Right. So it's, I mean, Anne is so lovely in it and real and connected, and as mm-hmm. is Ryan. And I, you know, we needed this. They, you know, ever since mm-hmm. Grand's funeral they've been a bit disconnected. And so to have them come together in the scene, it just, it reminds us why we care about all the plotty stuff.
1: Yeah. And it gives me a minute to not take Anna Paquin's performances for granted because yeah. she's so yeah. such a powerhouse and such an actor athlete where she goes from crying to being brave to being vulnerable kind of every five minutes yeah and we're just used to her being there and so diligent and so Mm. so flexible and powerful and so this scene it's just like it is like a pause for a minute where it's like wow
0: just look at these two people these two talented Mm -hmm. incredible people it's really well done. And, and I think also for Jason as a character, you know, it's ni- it's nice to see him sitting with a woman who, you know, can't be a love interest. you know, That, that brings out another side of him, which is fascinating because, right. you know, we, we in a way we think of Jason's issues as being issues with women, but right. really they're father figure issues. Right. right. I mean, it's right. Eddie and Steve. The, that's yeah. his kryptonite yeah um, so anyways you know he's, he's searching for that bond and, and they have this lovely interaction that I'd like to, to highlight now
2: our whole family's gone suck everybody who counts we're all alone we're all that's left so you know what we gotta do we gotta grow up we gotta stick together and we got to be good to each other or we're letting them down.
0: Mm. We got to a wisdom, ah, the wisdom so of Sookie beautiful.
1: Stackhouse. Yeah. And Deb, you made a really good point in that outline that you wrote and you talk about, you know, hooray to the writers. Mm. Because the rule is it either has to move the plot forward or be damn entertaining. And this doesn't isn't <laughs> either.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not entertaining in the sort of cliche sense. It's entertaining because of how well it's written and performed, but it's not a big flashy scene. Right. So the other family dynamic that I think is interesting and is is shifting as well is is Hoyt and his mother. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we're going to get into some really interesting stuff with Jim and Dale now. Dale, I'm so excited because we'll again we'll get into her incredible talent coming up uh, in the next couple of episodes. But the two of them are, like Ryan and Anna, powerhouse performers. And and they really sell this relationship. And it's interesting because I I look at Hoyt and Jessica, you know, they're these really wounded kids. Yeah. Who are just looking for support and acceptance Mm -hmm. and can't really get it from anyone other than each other. <laughs> right, right. But it's it's a really powerful moment to see Hoyt start to to stand up to her. You're my one son. Oh, I'm not yours, Mama. I'm mine. You're my baby boy.
2: I'm not a baby!
0: I'm a grown-ass
1: man! That scene is
0: so great. It's, it's so good. It's funny, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm the
1: way that he says, you're full of hate and I see you now. Yeah. Yeah. Is so healing. And it it really, that is
0: him growing up. Yeah. Yeah. What, and then what's really wonderful in, in the way that it's written is that then we, you know, we try to do this dinner. So Hoyt's mm-hmm. made the stand. He's trying to grow up and, and show that mm-hmm. he is. And we, we try to take this step forward and Maxine and Jessica aren't capable of it because of their own Mm -hmm. wounds, Mm -hmm. right? So Maxine's Mm -hmm. got her own wounds and Hoyt's all she's got. So she lashes out. Mm -hmm. And I think Jess just sees her dad sitting across from her. That's who she sees. And she sees her father in the way that he treated her, but now treating someone that she maybe loves more than herself. And so, you know, what do you do, right? Hoyt now needs to be saved and she's a predator. (laughs) Right, right. So it's a very dangerous situation. Yeah, and in that... To your point on belonging,
1: where she mm. says, I was made a vampire against my will. I don't have people. I don't have family yeah. except your son. Yeah. Right. That's now her chosen That's family.
0: It. And and Bill is not super chosen. I think that mm-hmm. is why that relationship is so interesting to me. That grows. But yeah, you know, the the closest person that she's found that is her choice so far in this new life is him. So she's, you know, he is her only tether. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I mean, really, really, this episode is interesting. It's deep. Yeah, it really is. And that's Nancy Oliver for you. I think Um, she can be very, very funny, but I think she also has a real talent for kind of digging her finger (laughs) deeper into our psyches. Speaking of both being accomplished in one line,
1: like in that scene with Suki and Jason, where he says something about how he's not too bright or whatever and mm. she goes well you could be if you use that brain just didn't have it take up space between your skull <laughs> yeah. right yeah and it, and it doesn't take them out of the touching moment and she's like you're not dumb you're just lazy and he almost sees yeah. he's encouraged he's like really you <laughs> yeah. think oh
0: well i'll try <laughs> i could try it's
1: That's just the nicest brilliant. thing anyone
0: said to him in a while yeah yeah and then you I think pulled up another really interesting shifting dynamic within yeah. this episode. Yeah, these
1: power plays. We've got a lot. It, there's a lot of vampire interesting stuff that happened here because we have the blood bond that Eric manipulates and forces mm. on Suki. And Ugh. I don't right. I don't know that we knew or really isolated it because it's Previously, we've seen it with Bill and Sookie where it's part of this Mm -hmm. whole whirlwind romance. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. between these two, it's mechanical and that she's tricked into it. And all of a sudden we hear from Eric, she's part of me now. It's done. There's
0: nothing you can do about it. There's no reverse. There's no reverse in this. And, And it makes me think, too about all the vampires that are selling V, like like yeah. all of the people that bought V from Lafayette, right. can Eddie feel them all? Like, are right. they all having sexy dreams about an imaginary Eddie? <laughs> <You know>? right, <laughs> like, exactly. how does that, do you have to have seen or taken from the source? You know, like I, that's such an interesting right. question I have now.
1: <laughs> totally. I really found myself going, wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute. What do we know? Wait, where yeah. are we at in the blood world yeah. here? And, right, <laughs> right, and and who's Eric? Because yeah. he's manipulative, we think, but also mm-hmm. he's playful, right? He, he's right. very funny. I think we we see that side even more. We find out that he's very very caring for one person, yeah. Godric.
0: But wait, is there more to this sicky thing? So who is this Eric dude? Right, because because yeah. you kind of go like, it does feel like there's some ulterior motive. That might be more redeeming than we mm-hmm. than we guess, right? Mm-hmm. Just knowing him, feeling him, what we see of how exactly mm-hmm. you know how he responds to Godric—it's hard to believe that this is only a sinister move. It
1: is. It really is, and it it does look from a certain angle
0: like he might be getting a crush on a girl. Yeah, you know, we don't well, I, know. I liked uh, you know. Bill has this this line though that I think is is really to the point.
2: Eric has had a thousand years practice in deceit. He lied to prove his power to me. He counted on your goodness. There's no shame in that.
0: Yeah. But he counted on her goodness, which is yeah. simultaneously more evil and oddly a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: The plot thickens. Yeah. And then speaking of plot thickening, We have this wild scene where, again, I'm like, whoa, wait, this this took it up a notch with Nan Flanagan. Uh So She she comes down off the TV screen. She's She's now I don't. Yeah. We haven't seen her outside of the box previously. Right. Right. And she can fire people. Wait a minute. Hold on. And Godric. We know is 2,000 years. We know yes. Eric is 1,000 years. You must have looked at. Up, least. Right? Because you put in
0: the notes here, Eric, and yep. Anne is 800 plus. At least 800. Yeah.
1: But she is top dog in that room. Right. Which
0: seems crazy.
1: Right? We thought that she was only PR, which still right. she implies. She says, I'm on television, dude. So yeah. bring it on. But she's not at all threatened no. by anyone in that room. So there's an interesting hierarchy that we're witnessing for the first time.
0: Yes, she seems very secure. She seems like untouchable. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you know the the American Vampire League, this AVL that we thought was maybe just like you said a, a PR you know a machine group yeah. organization, yeah. maybe something more.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that is able to elevate her status beyond age, which has always been a very dominating hierarchy yeah. for vampires.
1: That's all we've had till now. The the, the age, it's also yeah. f- yeah. oh, fabulous. I'm realizing at this very moment, after what 14 years of living in the vampire world, I just had an, a realization. That's sad, <laughs> but anyway, that it's reverse, right? Because in humans, yeah. aging is you become invisible and useless, and you know, put out to pasture. But in the vampire world, ooh, he's he's eight hundred. Oh, well, yeah. he's oh. nine hundred. Like it gets Best. better and better,
0: <laughs> right? Well, one place where it doesn't help you though, which is really yeah. interesting, is meeting the sun. Yeah, Godric uh, has this interesting line where he's like, "At my age, it'll go really quickly," whereas we saw Bill at two hundred and fifty. <laughs> right. In pain and there's smoke right. and crossing he's the in, cemetery. Oh my god, it's awful. Um, yeah. but he can survive in the sun, like he healed and got back to it. Yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, I guess it's like it's like dry wood, like <laughs> the well, older you are, the quicker yeah. you go up in flames. And my mind is flashing forward quite
1: a bit and can't quite remember, but this might be a thing we want to just put on a clipboard yep. and yep. refer back to
0: in a couple just of track. seasons.
1: Yeah, it was interesting, right? Cuz yeah, he does just go poof. No pain. It's No, it's very beautiful, yeah. It's beautiful. And maybe yeah, we're going to have to no put nerdies. that on a clipboard. I look forward to discussing this
0: throughout the season. I'm super super curious. I think in my notes I wrote like Godric is dry wood and Bill is wet wood, which made
1: Right. Me right. Happy. Yeah, I need some frame of reference here. I'm yes, totally so confused to now. But it is the most frickin'
0: touching scene. Wow. I mean, it is the, I think, definitely the highlight of the episode and, and yeah. one of the highlights of the season yeah. um, is this, yeah, this really lovely moment between Eric and Godric and then mm-hmm. Sookie and Godric. The way that they
1: acted it mm. and the way that Alex falls to his knees mm. kills me. Mm. It kills me every time because Godric is half- Alex's size, right? Yeah, And so it's really interesting in the casting that and how beautifully Alan played power we've talked about and wisdom and to see Alex so big and tall over him, fall to his
0: knees, just, ah! And the tears, you know, streaming down his face. And, you know, I think Sookie and we as an audience, right, needed to see that. Especially yeah. after this despicable, you know, trick her into drinking his blood moment that happened earlier. Yeah. We kind of needed to see that he is more than that. We did. And it
1: is interesting that they, had, they wrote her in witnessing that scene mm. and that just the well, dialogue the only, is
0: stunning. She's the only human. It's one of those things, you know, again, we yeah. think of vampires as being so much more powerful than humans. But in this case, she she wins. She's the only one that can stay.
2: Do you believe in God? Yes. If you're right, how will he punish me? God doesn't punish. God forgives. I don't deserve it. But I hope for it.
1: We all do. Mm. Mm. And then... Again, Nancy Oliver slays me. I know. When Uh, that other clip that you pulled that will play for you, that is just the beauty and wisdom of that line and Anna being there and. Hmm.
2: A human with me at the end. And human tears. 2,000 years. And I could still be surprised. (laughs) And this I see God.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: I'm getting a little choked up listening. I know. I get choked up when I hear it, even now. Yeah. And the music, you know, again, we don't notice this perfection of the soundtrack always. Yeah
0: and it's you know it's exactly to his point you know he he's feeling guilty he's feeling the years of harm that he's done 2000 years most of us only have mm-hmm. to regret 80 or 90 if we're lucky mm-hmm. but he's got 2000 years of drastic harm to mm-hmm. atone for and he's been trying in these last who knows how many decades or centuries but he's worried just like mm-hmm. a human would be, about what happens to him after this. Yeah. What happens in this, the next big mystery? Yeah. And then it's this perfect, we're not so different humans and vampires at the end together, mm-hmm. feeling for one another. And it, it's, you know, we're different, but we're the same. <laughs> right. It's a really beautiful sentiment.
1: Really beautiful. Really beautiful. Ultimately,
0: Everyone's mortal eventually. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll be speaking with Alan today, and and he shared quite a bit more information about how difficult this was to shoot Mm -hmm. and the reminder that he's really only in two, really three episodes this season. It's it's such a short-lived character, Mm -hmm. but it has such a huge impact. Yeah. Well,
1: and now for
0: a quick bite, Q&A positive. This week, we're answering a Fang Club question, and this one is brought to us by Madeline, or at Mads Mills.
1: So they ask, if Pam and Jessica are still alive, which I don't doubt they are, where do you think they would be now? Do you think hmm. they would have been affected by the pandemic? Much love, XXXX. So hey. what do, you,
0: do you have a thought on that, Deb? I mean, I, I sort of do, because I always thinking of like the sheltered life that Jessica had had, I thought she would travel, right? Mm-hmm. She can swim through the ocean if she right. wants to to get there. But I feel like, you know, Bill probably left her some money, you know, that she would want to go see the world and yeah. learn some languages and, you know, meet other types of people. And 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 I don't know if it would have happened this quickly, but I think she would have had her eyes set on, on politics. I think she would have wanted to become a sheriff and maybe, maybe queen someday.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You could be queen, <laughs> queen handy. <laughs> totally. I've got a whole spin off in my head of Pam. You do? Oh, Amazing. dude. Dude, it, it's a whole freaking thing. The fabulous thing about playing Pam is that it's really free from all the stuff that burdens me, which is worry about the state of the world and speaking Mm. up for the voiceless and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, throughout the pandemic, I felt very vulnerable and isolated and none of that would be in Pam's world. So, and and I won't give spoilers, but Pam is totally doing fine and (laughs) rich there at a certain point we could imagine. So, I've got her like part of this like crazy Bilderberger society where she's manipulating
0: <laughs> world politics and billionaires just for fun. I I have a feeling that like Jessica and Pam get together for like a uh, like a, a virgin sangria. Wink, yeah. Wink, wink. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> every couple of months and just, you know, you know, chat about cuz if you're working on manipulating human politics, Jessica's working on manipulating vampire politics. We can have kind of a power couple go in there. Totally. And she's still Auntie Pam. She's yes. still mentoring you. She still has hopes for you. And super super sarcastic and, you know, yeah. you know, hiding her affection, but I think there's a, a genuine friendship budding there. Definitely. Um, in but the pandemic, yeah. the pandemic is an interesting question. And I, I had some thoughts. I thought, you know, social distancing would make it really hard to to get a meal mm-hmm. uh, for one. So that's mm-hmm. a problem. But if you were immune, it actually means vampires could maybe do some good. You could keep the economy running, keep some businesses open. Right. You could run errands for vulnerable humans, I thought it was sort of interesting idea. So, yeah, there could yep. be kind of a, a strong vampire support system. Thank you, Madeline. That was a fascinating question. So this week's Deep Dive, uh, we're going to talk about everything you ever wanted to know about background acting and mm-hmm. possibly a bit more than you wanted to know.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought this up, Deb, because this show, I guess a Ooh. lot of shows, but not so much like our, our background actors. Yes, are hugely important,
0: hugely, and and I really actually I wanted to address this now mm-hmm. rather than even though this episode wasn't a huge background episode, but the next three coming up, what background performers are asked to do <laughs> on True Blood <laughs> is above and beyond. <laughs> Frostbite, yeah, yes, I wanted I wanted us to appreciate. <laughs> Yeah, everything we're about to see uh, with fresh eyes. You know, usually the job of a background performer is to blend in, right? Right. When two people are talking on a street, it wouldn't look right if the world wasn't alive around them. Right. But on True Blood, that wasn't always the case. You weren't always meant to blend in on True Blood.
1: Yeah. In fact, quite. I'm just thinking of my years in Fantasia, right? I mean, what would Fantasia be without all those amazing extras?
0: Amazing right? Because
1: you're expected to come... Dressed for the Mm -hmm. part, Mm -hmm. you know costumes. Probably on a period piece, you're going to get a lot more help. Yes, you know, you're not expected to own a
0: toga or something like
1: that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but you know that you had to show up at Fantasia looking like you belonged at Fantasia, and we had regular people recurring, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which can happen, which is nice for people.
0: Because in the background casting call, and and if you're curious about this, you can go on the Central Casting website and you can see all of the different background uh, jobs that are listed and they they get very specific. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for something like Fantasia, they're going to say potentially vampire bar. It might even say True Bloods if the show was out and you knew it. Um, Maybe goth, you know, maybe, you know, piercings and tattoos, a plus kind of thing. Yes, yes. And we had some background that had some very interesting special skills uh, yes. that came with that pole dancing, uh, yeah, right? funny double jointedness that they could do. So yeah, they we had a double jointed. He could dancing. turn his
1: feet around backwards.
0: Yeah. And it was, it was one of those things and, and people would keep coming back. So, yeah. you know, even though we didn't get to spend a lot of time really, you know, getting to know everybody very well, yeah. there were people who were like, oh yeah, I remember. Hi, you know? hi, good yeah, morning. Hi. Yeah. It's all the same group, which was really fun. And it, what's interesting about that too, is
1: the other thing background has to accomplish is that we, they know that the cast that's there to do a whole bunch of dialogue and do a whole scene. hmm they're very respectful, so it's up yeah. to the actor to look to them to say, "Oh hi," but yeah. they're not going to come over and tap you on the shoulder and say, "Hey, great yeah. scene!" Right? Yeah. There's a difficult sort of balance there that they accomplish.
0: Yes, it's it's very it's very impressive, and it is a mm-hmm. delicate line to walk. But my experience, especially with the, the background actors on uh, True Blood was that they they were really adept at that, at yes. giving space when you needed it. And, and the other thing is, you know, your job is to very specifically recreate what is sometimes a complex set of movements. Right. You have to be right on the cue. Yes. You have to lift that fork exactly at the same moment yes. that you did it before, because you don't want to be the continuity error that, you know, messes with that take. Right. And, and so it takes really smart, patient, good listening. Yes. Case. Uh, you know, I think really they are unsung heroes in this industry.
1: They are. If you think about it, you watch any scene where we've got these background actors, they did that walk across behind, mm-hmm. they were dancing, they were drinking that true blood for yep. 12 hours behind yep. every take exactly the same.
0: And silently, right? It's pantomime and most silently. of the time. Which is incredible to make that look because you know, again, we're talking about acting. It still has to be realistic and committed and buy into to to what you're doing. Um, So, you know, I I really am excited about this opportunity to sort of speak the praises of of that career choice.
1: Yeah. And you and I both got our SAG cards by doing extra work
0: because they give
1: out a few SAG vouchers. So yes, limited number of extras on each day
0: when you are a non-union background uh, actor and you are working on a union job, they have oftentimes extra union voucher cards. And so one way that you can earn three vouchers, which you can then use to, you know, get into the union Mm -hmm. um, is to is to do be a non-union actor doing, uh, you know, union background work. And usually, you know, they will offer them to people who are, again, on time, prepared, good Mm -hmm. listeners, you know, Mm -hmm. good attitude. Now it's not, you know, as we said, it's not a a building platform for your career. This is not where you're going to, you know, be discovered or make a connection, you know, you know, for your future career, but it can get you those vouchers. And more importantly, it can get you set experience. Yes. So having gotten my SAG card through background work, and I, I did have a special deal. So I only had to do a few days of it. Yeah. But I was so happy that my first day on a set wasn't one where I also had big scene work that I had to prepare. Right. That I knew what people's jobs were. I knew things like cross back to one, you mm-hmm. know. Right. Right. These kinds of terms. Yes. That I had, you know, interacted with a second AD who was the person who's going to choreograph and direct the, yeah. uh, the, the background performers. So all of that is a really good way to just have a level of comfortability on a set.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. Same thing. I did it on a few big movies, actually. Mm. And fascinating. Totally fascinating. And long days. You got to bring your own chair. You should bring your own food because the craft service (laughs) isn't as good. And But really a valuable experience for me.
0: It is. And every once in a while, there are perks. There are bumps that you get uh, Mm -hmm. depending on your hours, depending on what you are brought what you bring with you, you know, if they use your car in a shot, you get a bump. If you get a line they'll get you a bump you know sometimes yep. you take off your feature... clothes and
1: have, act like you're having sex in an orgy you You'll probably get a, get a bump and then if you wear black contacts at the same time where you can't see anything you probably you get a probably
0: bump. get a bump mm-hmm, uh so true blood was was you know and this is also a multiple episode gig for right. these orgy goers you know they want the oh, it's same... not just one
1: orgy no no no
0: it's not yeah it's <laughs> the same general group of people because this is a small town so yeah you're looking at a, a good, you know, a good little run of a show here for, yeah. uh, for a group of people and some pretty crazy fun stuff. I mean, yeah. coming up, The Mob <laughs> is oh really my gosh. amazing.
1: It's incredible. It's incredible. And they were incredible.
0: They are so good. Really, really good. And it, and it takes, again, there's a nuance to it. You can't go too far, nor can mm-hmm. you be too subtle. So, again, so impressed with the work we're going to see. Yeah. This show, True Blood... Very, very specific background work, probably a lot of bumps going on, and just a grand old party, I I hope.
1: (laughs) Well, literally, the next three episodes. When you said probably a few bumps going on, my tired mind went to like, (laughs) oh, there's a lot of bumps. The next three episodes.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's humps,
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, no.
0: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But also keeping in mind, like, you know, something like nudity or contact lenses are mm-hmm. likely to be listed in the casting call. So this is never mm-hmm. something that is to you're you're surprised up. with. You're gonna show up in you show your up. 1950s perfect classic yes. dress and they're gonna be like, okay, take it off. What? No, Wait, no. what? No, you're gonna know. <laughs> you're gonna know. And I think for You the, will have submitted yourself and yeah. you will have seen it in the submission. Yeah. So you you can choose not to submit. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: don't worry. You're not gonna end up in a true led.
0: <laughs> no, without your day, so yeah. <laughs> without knowing. <yeah. laughs> we don't want it to scare people.
1: <laughs> and now you are going to get to hear our interview with Alan Hyde, mm. who plays Godrick. What a mesmerizing performance a high school uh, student who flew to the United States to take on the role. Such a detailed and deeply yeah. empathic old soul performance.
0: Hi, Alan. What up? Hello. It's you, oh, <laughs> oh my god, Drake. There we go. Oh my
2: god. <laughs> That's all good. Good, so to, good see to see you. you. And thank you so
0: much for coming to talk to us.
2: Of course. I've been looking yeah. forward to this.
0: Oh, good us too. It's been such I a pleasure know. watching your work in season two and beyond. I think Kristen and I have both skipped around a little bit to see the other. Yeah, scenes from the yeah, first.
1: exactly. Cool. It's so wild. It's so wild. <laughs> like, I have a friend who is so wonderful, and she works for the Humane Society, saving everything. And she always says to me, "Oh my God, Rick! Like when anything <laughs> exciting happens, like, oh my God, Rick, we <laughs> saved a thousand seals." <laughs> oh. That is great. That's great. That, that lives in my world. Plus, you're my grandfather.
2: Yes, I, I realized that I'd completely forgotten everything about that when you emailed me first said, "Hey, granddad," I was like, "What? What is going on?" And then I had to kind of do the math, and they're like, "Yeah, okay, right. that makes sense." But it has been a, it's been a lot, it's been many years, and it, so it's kind of I had to kind of bring it all back.
1: Totally. And Alex and I still communicate. You know, I call him daddy; he calls me his daughter. Makes sense.
0: Makes <laughs> completely sense. I don't, I don't quite do that with Steve. I have to say. <laughs> 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 but yeah, but it's wonderful to see you and we're so excited to talk about the character of Godric, your work, what your experience was making the show. Usually we like to jump in and ask about your casting, your audition uh, oh. and see if you have sort of a story about how that went down.
2: Well, I, I, I do. And this is, is probably the story that I've been I've told most times because it was in my life. It was a very, very big thing it was mm. what completely turned my life around i i'm from denmark i lived in in copenhagen i was 19 years old i wow. i was in high school i was 2 mm-hmm. months away of graduating and then i got this random call from a danish agent i didn't have an agent at the time because denmark oh. denmark the business is so small you don't really need you didn't really need agents back then but he'd seen a, seen a film i'd done and apparently he had gotten word that they were looking for this guy on True Blood and he was like, Would right. you want to self-tape? And self this was self-tape was not a thing back then. No. Right. And I'd never done it before. I'd never auditioned for anything outside of Denmark. And then Oh my gosh. I was like, Sure, I I I'll I'll we can try that. And I showed up in his office and we did this take and we sent it off. And he said, We do these every once in a while with, with our clients and you know. It's mostly it's, it was great meeting you, but we'll, we'll probably won't hear anything <laughs> back. That, that's as, at <sighs> least how I remember it. And then I go back to school, and two days later, I finish. I was really good. I finished like a physics uh, test before, and I get got to leave the room, and I check my phone, and they were like, "Call call us immediate, immediately." And I called them back, and they were like, "Apparently, Alan Ball watched your audition, and you they want you for the part straight oh, off wow. from the self tape." And wow. you have and and uh, we need then the we need to get a visa in order. And I was like, "What does this mean?" Well, you need to leave in like in a minute, in like a couple of weeks, oh. <laughs> because I I don't know why they hadn't cast the part. Maybe someone I I've never been told why someone right. lost it. They couldn't find the guy. But apparent, but at least I it felt down to the wire, yeah. and I had to decide. I had to drop out of high school, and oh my I
1: gosh.
2: and I flew to. LA. And my first thing was, I, I think I might've gone to the lot. I did go to the lot and met Alan and mm-hmm. and probably a fitting or something. But then the first day of work was the Viking flashback. And then I'd, I'd, I I obviously, I didn't know what I was doing. I I, I didn't know what I'd, I, I remember I was on the plane. I'd done these mock-up sides that weren't okay. really from the show. So I didn't really know what i would you know, what part I'd gotten. So I was on the right. plane, <laughs> I dropped out of school and then I was reading the scripts and I was like, this is, I, this is good. And then I was like, oh, this is really good. Like, but fast forward to, I ended up staying for four years.
0: So wow. I went
2: straight from living with my parents, going to high school to living by myself in LA. And, in uh, a foreign
0: country, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wild. And I, I think looking back at it, had I known what I'd actually what part I got what the show was how big it was I would have probably not been able to do it like I would have been sh- right. I would have been scared shitless wow. I mean now if every time like just auditioning for something great or whatever I get nervous these days because now yeah. I know what it means and what <laughs> what how how high the stakes are but I didn't really know back then
0: Oh the innocence of youth Yes It's amazing that you up uprooted your life so much mm-hmm. for something you knew so little about. That takes a yeah. big leap of faith. And in that in that first scene
1: that you have mm-hmm. where you turn Alex slash Eric, is he speaking Swedish and you're speaking Danish? Swedish?
2: No, we're both speaking Swedish. Yeah. So
1: how how did you manage that? Because I mean it's much closer, I assume, for you than for me. But when I had to speak Swedish, it was just, you know. So nerve wracking.
2: We did this exact same thing that I I I imagine you <laughs> did. Alex would record uh-huh, he, the lines and I would just mimic them.
1: Yes. Yes. And how close are the languages? Very, did you, very I close.
2: Had- but the music, the the melody of the mm. it's just it's different. Many my parents' generation, they can speak Swedish because they mm-hmm. grew up watching Swedish TV.
0: I, mm-hmm, I I didn't. Mm-hmm.
2: So so in my my generation right. and generations after didn't. So we we're not great at at faking our Swedish. So Alexander <laughs> helped <laughs> help with that stuff, and it worked. But still, I do get people in Scandinavia who has seen it. I think Danes I can I, Danes wouldn't would hear, hear it. Yeah. Swedes <laughs> they, they can definitely hear that I'm. Well, not Well, so as a
0: Amer- as an American yeah. listener, you sound perfect, and it is a chilling scene. I mean. The two of you are It's connected. so beautiful. Yeah. It's hard to believe that's the day you met.
2: Oh, we oh, we met before because Alexander was really nice okay. when I... When, oh, that's right. You said he helped he, you. Yeah, he helped me. And, and when I flew over, he was really nice. And obviously, he knew mm. that I was completely just 19, year old, 19 <laughs> years old and just very, very confused and excited. We hung out a little bit. And so I, I knew him. But I think just the adrenaline of being on set f- for me personally... Was just you know mm-hmm. how that that's just creates sparks on camera. You can't really yeah. fake that stuff. You you can try to get yeah. to that point, but that was just so. I, I I I I didn't really need to act that mm-hmm. much because I I obviously I needed no. to be in the scene, but I think everything all was just working for it. So I mm-hmm. again I don't think had I really been on top of the situation, mm-hmm. I think I would have I would have not done a particularly great job in the scene had I really, really known what I was
0: doing. I agree with you. There's something to when you're nervous and it's your first time and you don't really know what you're doing, that adds such a presence and energy Mm -hmm. to the scene that does kind of go away as you get more comfortable. And it's you do feel like, how do I find ways to put myself back in that space where my natural human
2: yeah it becomes another day at the office which is weird and and then every once in a while that i find that the stuff that's great is these days is when the best stuff is was is when i or someone other than myself if if there's a little mistake and someone is (laughs) just like just pushed a little bit off balance Mm
0: -hmm. the scrambling
2: to get back on your feet just if it's just a line or Mm -hmm. a word you miss or whatever it's that's when that's when you see this the, the mm-hmm. adrenaline and and stuff the real the like real humanity kick in, yeah. and I guess everything in that scene from my pres- for my perspective was just survival.
1: <laughs> well, I just thought of a couple of things, and one is it's so interesting that your relationship on camera with Godric and Eric is the opposite of yes you two as real people because. You were like, "Oh my gosh! I just got out of high school. I do not know what I'm doing. Please yeah. help me!" Mm-hmm. And I have to speak your language. Oh. And then on camera, your dialogue—the stuff that they wrote for you—I I almost transcribed every scene for this interview because it's really, really beautiful. It is, yeah, and it's so evolved, mm. right? Exactly. And so yeah, poignant and so touching and sad and wise.
2: I, I just rewatched mm-hmm. some of the scenes because I and I was like, wow, this is deep. This is very enlightened. And I, again, I'm not yeah. sure that I I mm-hmm. was aware how deep it was when we did it. it just but now I see just how it worked out at the end and and also how it relates yes. to the rest of the story and
0: right. because
2: you just do one yeah. scene, you're right there, but you're actually tapping into something that's much larger than it. just that one scene. This whole season and just the whole backstory of thousands yeah. of years of, of whatever they've been doing. I was, it was very fortunate to be working with, with not just on the show, but with that character and those words specifically.
1: Yeah, Right. The writing is really beautiful. And, and I, you know, you now, that's what you're doing is writing. So it really, for the actor, we, we can't really, I think we can't hold the whole big picture in our head and we wouldn't mm. as people in that situation. So I go, okay, I, I'm actually purposefully going to not know yeah. the whole scope of the thing because I wouldn't, mm-hmm. Pam wouldn't, no. you know, I, I'm, I try to find wherever I can find some reality, but it is so much of your dialogue. I mean, I have, I literally have it transcribed here, but I love, what does he say? When Newland says, kill me, Jesus will protect me. He <laughs> says, I'm actually older than your Jesus. I wish I could have known him, but I missed it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it is. That's I a love line. that line. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but I missed it. How was it shooting those huge scenes as well? Because as a new actor, you know, they had a pretty good budget on this show and those Mm -hmm. were really big scenes there at the fellowship.
2: Oh my God. I've, I've basically, I've done since then I've done a, a, a couple of Big budget Danish and and one Norwegian really big budget film, but you know it doesn't. It still doesn't re- compare to True Blood and and, no the, and the set pieces we had there. Like the first scene, the the flashback. I got to rip someone's throat, and and it was all the special effects, and and for the fellowship scenes, this huge church and standing on that balcony and this huge crane with a camera and a wire in my back, so yes. I didn't fall over and kill myself, <laughs> and it was just. So wow. massive, everything, and these, and
1: and we shot yeah. everything on thirty-five and mil. We were still on film back then. Yeah, people don't realize that that's a big deal, right? Huge. Like shooting on film, it's expensive, it's huge, and that they chose to spend that money for that quality was pretty enormous. Yeah,
2: I mean, I just and for the fellowship scenes and all, and especially the the last mm. scene that I was in, we shot real Mm. time. We had four of those cameras running film at the same time.
0: Was that your death scene? Yeah. To capture the actual sunrise. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. I I remember we, I mean, I I don't remember if it was a full day, but we did a day of rehearsals somewhere else. No, actually we went to set uh, a day before and, and, and rehearsed and then we got back the next morning and we knew we had, Mm. I think 40 minutes, you know, which is pretty like, you know, the magic hour kind of, we had 40 minutes to shoot this whole scene that is, I, I forget, but it must be like five, five, six pages of of dialogue. It was, it was long. And in order for them to capture that, they did four cameras with super, like, because also super long the film cartridges, whatever, so they could shoot long takes and then they would do, Two takes mm-hmm. in one position, mm-hmm. and it's then like, they would yeah. just like move them back to second positions and shoot the whole thing. I think twice, mm. and then we did get to do one day, which was weird. So obviously, all my close-ups and the facing my direction was was done. I think a, a week later on a soundstage on a green screen, wow. which was which was super nerve wracking wow. because doing that scene on on the rooftop. Yeah. We had to all be like, you couldn't just stand around, just f- half feeding your lines when you were no. over shoulder. You had to be there. It was super yeah. intense, and then yeah. I had to recreate that mm-hmm. for my stuff a week later with you know a super arti- artificial setup. Mm. But I, I I was just like, right. I remember that setup on the on the rooftop was mind blowing.
1: Mm. Both of those are really hard to do cuz there's so much pressure. Uh-huh. I wanted to ask you specifically about that cuz I thought did they they had to shoot that in real time in like 30 minutes. Uh-huh. And the pressure on actors on one hand it's like it's like the Olympics, right? Uh-huh. You're all in it together and that's pretty incredible and it's such an emotional it scene is. I cry every time. Uh-huh. And then the opposite difficulty, where it's just you standing in front of a green piece of fabric mm. in some stage with you know Alex and Anna off camera in their robes, <laughs> in their or what Ugg have boots, you. yeah, <laughs> in their Ugg boots, right?
2: <laughs> I do remember. I think they were pretty generous, and they were. I'm actually, sure they were. Th- yeah. They were <laughs> stepping up to the plate, but but it's still not. Yeah. It's yes. still not the same. Yes. You know, it's still not the same.
0: Right?
2: Yeah. But on the other hand, it's good and bad because then we got to take my takes more times and yeah. there was no stress. Yeah. yeah. So I guess right. the pressure was a little bit off, which was also good. Mm. So I got we got to actually like take a minute. I could actually get some real direction, mm-hmm. which I remember yeah. it was, I, I believe it was Scott Winant who directed. And I remember him mostly saying... We like the slow pl- pace, but please pick it up a little bit because I really, I would just, I would just really beat it out. Just like take my time. I, I think I also like i with Godric specifically. Or yeah. I, I was a lot like when you're that old, like yeah. old people, elderly people. Yeah, they take their time. Yeah, and they're they're in, right. and it's just like super low pace, super low. And I was like, if you've been mm. around for thousands and thousands of years, you can mm. you take your time, and you're not stressed about anything. And so, I, I it was deliberate right. that I would yeah. I would I would really really like drag it out. But I I guess in some takes, it was like it was a little bit too much.
0: <laughs> well, but talk talk to us more about some of those kinds of choices and yeah. in taking on the role of Godric and playing someone so old, and also having to do this evolution from being a thousand years old to 2000 years old and you know yeah what are Mm -hmm. your thoughts and how you prepared for that
2: well as far as i remember i spent a lot of time trying to internalize what it would be in my life because Mm -hmm. these emotions were so huge that I, i couldn't relate to having tortured and killed and raped and stuff for thousands and thousands of years and feeling the regret that Godric did at the end. But I know what regret feels like. And mm-hmm. I know what having done stuff that I'm not proud of feels like. And I I would try to f- tap into some of those feelings in my own life and actually like write them out like a little diary to myself and kind of use them as something to build on. And, and then again, mm-hmm. as I said, with, with the, just the pacing and the, the beating out and he always took his time and 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 he was very underplayed in many ways it was very like stone-faced but that mm. was very very deliberate that yes. was like just just be there and 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 let the scene play its way I just yes. so some of those choices were, were basically just with to do with with wisdom uh mm-hmm. experience and status I guess also the status in the room if you can if you take your time you know power silence keeping people waiting and they're like it gets people a little bit uncomfortable and stuff yeah. it just takes takes uh, the beat out but I yeah yeah I think the short answer it's was power exactly mm-hmm. um but but yeah I just trying to to take the different scenes and and the overall feeling and and trying to relate it to my own life.
0: I think, you know, Kristen has shared a lot of her stories about working with Alex, and I think that was a very unique relationship. And I'm curious if you have stories, memories of working with him, and and that's sort of the intimacy required of that relationship.
2: I really enjoyed working with him, but I also, I was, I think it was interesting also, like you said, Kristen, it was very much the opposite dynamic, because Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. I was just super... Not starstruck, but a little bit intimidated by his presence and by his. Oh, we all were. <laughs> uh, yeah, and but I, I mm-hmm. so deep inside, I just I wanted to, I wanted to be his friend. It's so hard, mm-hmm. and he was so nice to me. Yeah, he's so cool, but I knew that we really like, especially like on the page, like like your relationship, Kristen, with him, like father mm-hmm. yeah. son. Mm-hmm father, daughter right like it was also like right. I, I felt like we really needed to have this extraordinary relationship huh. and I couldn't really tell yes. if, if we had it or not but I I, right. I really enjoyed working with him and he and he helped me out a lot and he made me feel he made me feel at home when I first arrived in LA mm-hmm. and, and he, he took me to hang out with his friends and made me feel like I was't a complete stranger in a, in a very strange city.
1: Yeah, because he had to put up with me for seven years <laughs> so many days, I have he eventually convinced me that he actually he is that nice, mm-hmm. but he also actually likes me. Oh, that's good. That's so he might just be the greatest <laughs> actor in the world to keep that up for seven years. Your relationship with you, know, the Godrick Eric relationship was so profound. One of the writers, I believe it was Bucky, told me that they just inspired them to develop the relationship between Eric and Pam Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they went, Oh, wait a minute. If he has that, Eric has that incredible love for Godric, Mm -hmm. she would have that for Eric. Mm -hmm. So it really informed so much of the show. I mean, it really informed my trajectory a lot from what they told me. That's cool.
2: It also—that's always how it is. You, you never really know what it is before you see it on its feet. And, right. Sure. And, and uh, Godric wasn't—I sp- got supposed to be in the next couple of seasons, but but he oh. became he became like a, a fan favorite or a character mm-hmm. that people would be asking yeah. for, and 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 so they decided to bring me back for for a brief moment here and there.
1: Yes. Um, So when you think of your experience, the whole experience from like the audition all the way through your four years, what have you, anything related to true blood, are there three words that come to mind about it? Oh, my God. Descriptive words. Oh, my God. I know you have to think of them in English as well. You can say them in Danish, possibly.
2: (laughs) Have you listened to how how many words I use to describe a super simple question? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is the this is the toughest thing for me is to is to say something brief, short, and precise. Brief, short, precise might be the me three too. words I have, to, I have go. to go with. Uh, <laughs> it was brief, short, and precise. Actually, it
0: was. That's funny. Uh,
2: I want I. I oh, it's such a cliche. That's again. If I cliche start editing unreal. myself, I want to say life changing experience. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it, the, sh- the my experience yeah. on the show was much more than just being on the show it was yeah. it was it was my transition from being a big child into being a, a grown up on like living by myself having to wow. stand my on my own feet and that happened wow. during shooting true blood
1: yeah life changing experience from the, your story that really is that does encapsulate and that's huge life changing
0: well, thank you, Alan. It's just yeah, the mind is a tricky. It, it's been it incredible is. to dive into your mind.
2: Yes, and I wish I wish I could I I could just hear your stories, but <laughs> I you've probably touched upon those a bunch of times through this whole podcast series. Yeah, the the podcast
0: uh, is our our stories, basically. So, yes, yeah, yes. You get to be the special guest. Kristen, I can't even. I can't even. He's so adorable. And I, I was, I mean, I know he's a grown man and I can't call a grown man adorable. But (laughs) I just, you can. He, I, there's just an energy about him that is so endearing and welcoming, authentic. Yes, very authentic. authentic. And I'm, I'm so pleased for him and the success that he's having in Denmark. And uh, yeah. Yes. I really, I did not know him very well, you know, back in the day. So this was a sort of I a first really, really get to know you conversation. And yeah, I, I think it, what's really telling is the impact of his character. Yeah. From really such a small stint. Yes. On the show. I agree. Huge. Or a short impact. stint, I should say.
1: I have such strong, I mean, I really would, I was fighting back tears almost the whole interview Mm. because I have such a strong feeling. Now I can cry because it would have been really embarrassing. (laughs) There was no moment where it would have made sense. Right. (laughs) So, but I have such a strong feeling about him and I don't even totally understand it. I'm like, is he conduit to Eric, Alex? Is he his character is so beautiful.
0: His death scene, his,
1: I don't know what's happening to me. The Denmark,
0: well, he and Alex have that same thing. I've always described mm-hmm. this. Some people ask me what Alex is like, and I think he has it too, which is yeah. when they look at you, yeah, you feel like they are seeing past your face yeah. into your soul or something like yeah, that. It's, it's like it's they're mystical. really there looking at you. They're just they're right. taking you in. Yeah, they're not thinking about something else or their grocery list or or some other person or themselves. They're really looking at you. And he even across the the Internet lines of existence, the the Ethernet. I still feel that looking at him in a little box on my screen. I
1: know. I know. I have so much stronger feelings for him than his
0: natural <laughs> that is appropriate yes. this is appropriate
1: I'm glad I sort of hid them for through the whole well we thing.
0: <laughs> oh my god well just a huge thanks to him for taking the time and sharing with us and yeah what um, a lovely person. I hope you all enjoyed it next week on truest Blood we sit down with Jim Perrick the extraordinary actor behind Hoyt yeah. Hortonberry and one of my absolute favorite scene partners uh, he's gone on to other incredibly illustrious roles in films like Fury and Suicide Squad, and As I Lay Dying. Yeah. He also did a run on Broadway in Of Mice and Men, and has since found a home as Judd Ryder on 911 Moonstar. Star. He is so spectacular. <laughs> I'm
1: enjoying his performances so much. And finally, everyone returns home to Bantam. but it is not the place they left. We will talk about mob mentality. Bacchanalia, mm-hmm. we're going to tell you what that means, <laughs> and you know it because you've been watching it. And homegrown heroes, all brought to life by an
0: award-worthy array of character actors. Oh, so it is an embarrassment of talent, and you won't want to miss it. Yep. So thanks for listening, Troopies. Subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll see you next week.
1: Y'all come back now you're here.
0: Got any burning questions you want answered on Truest Blood? Post them on any and all social media platforms using hashtag Fang Club Questions, and we may feature them on the show. That's hashtag F A N G C L U B Q U E S T I O N S. Truest Blood is produced by Safe Haven for HBO Max. Executive producers are Janina Kavankar, Kristen Bauer, and Deborah Ann Wool. Our producer is Gabrielle Gallon, and our audio producer is Christopher Wool. Our theme song was recorded just for this podcast by Jace Everett. Additional music was composed by Timo Chen. And remember, you can watch all of the original episodes of
2: True Blood on HBO Max.